Listening to the one of us.net podcast network. Hey, 20 by 2 at South by Southwest is coming up Friday, March 9th at the Sidewinder. You can find out more information at 20x2.org. Um, come check us out. 20 speakers, one question, two minutes each. I like the way you, right before you turned on the mic, like you said that kind of like Elvis. Now, here we go. Well, I think it was exactly what I was going for. It was good. It was good. I like that. And I think it was reluctant because we've been Mark, we've been giving Mark a little bit of a hard time because he'll start the show when we're bantering when we all sit down for the first time. And this time he told us, but he told he told us with an air of resignation. Okay, I'd love for you guys <laughs> to keep talking or whatever. But yeah, but I gotta let you know we're gonna we're gonna turn on the tape this, machine. This stupid thing's gonna happen sooner or later. We might as well start. So and here we go. Well, he actually looks at it like he's going to call a golf tournament. Um, yes, well, he's been all cleaned up. Yeah, he's been whispering a lot too. So that uh, uh, Shane pulls out. Uh, oh, it looks like a four iron. <laughs> it's like that was a little. Oh, you got a hold of that <laughs> You know what though? It's exactly right. I mean, like now apply that retroactively in your brain to golf tournaments. Like well, it's that's just as creepy. I'll tell you what else. I mentioned this to a friend of mine this week. Um, David Faraday, the uh, Scottish uh, like golf physicist, golf, oh. ta- uh, <laughs> golf, golf talker, the, the sp- Scottish golf commentator, um, has been popping up on Olympics coverage, and I was like, "What the hell is?" Go-? I was like, "Why?" I was like, "Tell me, tell me that there's secret ice golf." I would watch. Dude, I would totally watch like winter golf. No, yeah. man, you'd um, have to have it like some sort of like uh, miniature golf. Situation on ice. Now that shit would be fucking like hilarious. A, like, uh, like you know, windmills. Wind, that, yeah, that's like the golfers are actually wearing skates, ice skates, and they have to like yes, shoot wearing ice skates. Yes, yeah. yeah. It, anyway, it just I'm looked into like this every, idea. I like this idea. Every time he sat down on the couch, it just looked like somebody was in his ear going, "Like you're gonna have to fill like an hour. Just keep <laughs> keep going. Don't don't talk about anything." I feel but like with keep the Olympics, like they like half the broadcast, they're just explaining what the fuck you're looking at. Well, all of the Olympics is basically like the week before the Kentucky Derby. It's like nobody knows anybody, hey. and so they so it's a bunch of special interest stories. Let's, let's play some theme mu- horses. Let, let's yeah. play some theme music, and we'll deviate from our normal conversation after that. All right, let's do this. I'm Shane. Ryan. I'm Gavin. I'm Mark. And this is somebody likes it. So is it just me, or have you guys noticed that there's a a, a large rash recently of um, wait that's that's we a, don't those like are to the, talk about a yeah large I was gonna rash. Say, I, yeah, yeah see I was uh, that's I was gonna say that those are some words you don't ever want to hear coming out of your friend no like in if close you sit you sit, you, that's sitting you, next to me no you, yeah yeah you sit down at, at a bar so what's going on have you noticed that there's a large rash recently or it's like check please uh of uh no that there's a, Does there, it smell funny to you <laughs> hey smell my finger. There's a lot of, uh, wow. of of elderly rock stars retiring, which is an odd thing to me. And um, well, when we had Elton John. Uh, well, he's going on his three year retirement yeah. party tour. Yeah. Paul Simon, um, 
Um, we got Paul Simon tickets. We're going to go see that show. I've seen him before. Like, be cool. yeah, I'm sure it'll be. It's like, it's not really a, a check on the list if you've seen the guy perform before, but it's like. I like Paul. I know, mean, I'm, I'm a Paul fine. Simon. Yeah. There's Neil Diamond, but that makes sense. That's health stuff. But there's other there's other people too that I mean there's and then, and it's the whole thing like it's the you know retirement and perpetuity tours like you know a la the Who. Um, well, yeah, they they retired in like the eighties and then went on tour yes. again another at least three or four times. Well, yeah, and I think they've been constantly. They out. actually John Entwistle died on one of their tours. Do you know? And they just like picked up like the next week. Do you just know the, another guy? Yeah. <laughs> do you know the story about how you know like how John Entwistle died? You like what happened? Like, I, no, I don't actually. Recall. He was in, I believe, a casino, and he had taken a like a couple of, I would assume, comely lasses up to his hotel room, and was comely lasses. Yes. <laughs> And it it, it, it was snort, it was snorting cocaine with him and had a heart attack. Now, well, that's the way to he go. Went if, out doing what he loves. If you're a rock star, that <laughs> is the way to go. Yeah, it's like that comes in the manual, I guess. Yeah. So um, anyway, but I I thought I I find it interesting, you know, if if it does stick, but it is it seems like, uh, you know, like how a couple of years ago it there were a lot of you know very famous beloved. Rock artists dying, and and maybe that's kind of precipitating that. You know, like they're going to retire before they die. They're going to retire because staying on the, the all of the stress. I mean, even if you're even if you're living like the four star life, and you're once you're in your, you know, See, I never really believe people when they say they're going to retire. Like like rock rock stars and artists of of what have you remember? Like Stephen King, like ten years ago, said he was going to stop writing. I was like, no, you're not. And right, of course he didn't. Like, well, he so, doesn't know how to do anything else. Right. Yeah. Well, I think what you – I mean, but again, that was 10 years ago. Now the guy's in his mid-60s or – you know, Paul McCartney's in his fucking mid-70s. I mean, it's like – I mean, how long can you carry that shit on? If Can you be 83 – I mean, I guess you can if you're like Chuck Berry or something. Well, with Paul McCartney, what he's actually done is when he goes on tour now, he just goes to the cities he hasn't gone before because he's like, I've, I've, you know, it's like a so He shows checklist. up in like Brenham, Texas. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's just like it's a, like hey, hello, some, Wichita Falls. Some sort of yeah, ice cream unveiling. Yeah, but um, ice cream. Unveiling. Yeah. So yeah, Paul is well. Uh, so in the middle of that, okay. um, somebody that is not retiring and who's actually ramping up his tours, um, and I'd like to see him franchise them too. Like you know how like sometimes like you'll they're 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 like there's like this cover band here in Austin called like the like the Spasmodics or something. I don't know. They're, they're, but they're not here. They're franchised out of LA, and they they have like they just have like yeah, it's like bands. 20, 30 bands. Well, yeah, it's they're at like least uh, it's at least thirty because yeah. Austin, Austin has four of them. They're Le right. Chic. Well, there was like well, there was like a there was like a funk band that had uh, um, Well, and Menudo was another something one, like that. Like well, no, but Menudo had like a re- once you hit the age of thirteen or something. No, it was like sixteen. That. You'd age out. Yeah, you'd yeah. age out. Yeah. Where, that gave us uh, Ricky Martin. Is that is that is that true that they like put the old ones on an iceberg and kick them out to sea? Is that yes? Is that happened? Yeah, totally that, true. So I Shane, who no. were you talking about though? Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy oh, Buffett. Oh, yeah. He's doing a musical yeah. right now. He he's opening up like these Jimmy Buffett theme bars. Um, well, Margaritaville, isn't it? Like it Margaritaville, but then there's yeah, it's I all kinds of stuff. Right. He's got a casino going on, like, and so anyway, it all comes like I I find it very interesting that. A lot of the a lot of the quote unquote aging rock stars, um, you know, 
or it, rather than just would age out. Him, would you call him a rock star? I don't know what his genre is. Well, it's like, I mean, it's like frat country. Whatever. Yeah, well, frat country came out of him. I mean, if you like, I mean, like that shit. It like like it came to him. He didn't go to them. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, no, he just played whatever he played, and for some reason, like frat guys love it. Yeah. Well, he's worth he's worth over half a billion dollars. Um, off off the strength of what two or three songs? He only had one. Like, he had one hit single, Margaritaville, went number eight. Burger in Paradise. No, no, Margaritaville is his only charting song. Period. He, yeah, he's the only two I can name. He's worth more money than Bruce Springsteen, if that puts anything into perspective. And that yeah. motherfucker, God knows, dude, like apparently the dude knew how to hustle. Like Jesus. Yeah, I know, I know. Hey. Anyway, that's what I'm saying. Like either you if go you out hustle to pasture, Jesus, either you go out to pasture or you you spin it into hit Broadway musicals because that that seems to be the thing these days. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about that for a second. Hey, uh, so one day we won't sidebar on this for too long, but I did because it uh, broke. Recently, um, want to mention this just to see if Ryan's head would come off. Uh, Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman are launching a new REM podcast. I but did notice that, and it's really awkwardly named. Uh, yes, it is. It's a very awkward. Scott Ackerman. Are thing. you well, talking REM re me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I might even be. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I can listen to it. I'll definitely. I don't. I'll know. listen to an episode, but, but it came out of their U two. Uh, they just like ran out of things to talk about YouTube because apparently they've had a podcast for a couple of years about YouTube and then they, it just veered into other territory and so they're branching out. I don't know. Both uh, of those dudes are really funny. And yeah, well, no, I saw Adam Scott on uh, on a talk show once and he was talking about his love of REM and I was like, oh, dude, we need to hang out. <laughs> well. I think that's ground the show to a halt. Yeah, I think. Well, I, no, I mean, I thought you were going to say, "Well, uh, yeah, uh, duh." Maybe. All right, who's the? What are we talking about tonight, dudes? Is it Portishead? Shed? Because we say Portis Head. Well, is you it, did get the name of the record. I did wrong. get the name of the record wrong, which is which is kind of which is kind of ideal. This is easily the third or fourth time I've gotten the name of the record wrong. I said Portis Head three. It's Portis Head third. My bad. Apologies. Yeah. I didn't realize Portishead this, this or Portishead. record is ten years old. Like, mm -hmm. it feels like it came out not that long. Are you sure ago? it's not tenth years old? <laughs> it, is, it is tenth years old. My bad. That was a, that was a, that was a good one. So, yeah. well, Mark, with a little hey, bit. Both, of both Kevin and I have have had to be apologetic at this show. So now let's. Oh, sure. Let's call them on anything that they do. <laughs> I just expect to be crying by the middle of it most days. Like just uh, like when we take our second dude. Break, all you have to do you're is on the floor, like like in the corner there. Sure. All oh, you yeah. have to do to be crying is just listen to this record. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. 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 And well, that's par for the course of every fucking thing they've ever done. Well, I got to say, the, in terms of like the thing about Portishead that I've always really appreciated is just the. You know, sunshine, wind in your hair. Oh, up, like, beat. Yeah, <laughs> roll the windows down. Yeah, the country barn along. dance it's, right over here. I was here. like, is country barn dance? Is this yeah. Cheryl Crow? It's got to be Cheryl Crow. That's got to be. That's got to be the. If they put out another album title, I've got to submit it to. The, or another album that their <laughs> next album title will be country. Portishead, country barn dance. Well, dude, look, I don't want to bring the room down or anything. Oh, but, good. Uh, no. But, you know, this was, you know, our assigned record for the week or whatever. And then I broke up with my girlfriend on Valentine's oh, Day no. and had to listen to this. Oh, oh. <laughs> that is dark. All right. I'll, I'll say it again. My bad. Yeah. yeah and, it, and so it turns out we might just be on hiatus. I don't know. Stay tuned. 
Well, no, but, you have to listen oh, to the for, end. Thanks, but, thanks for filling the everybody, all the listeners. But, yeah, that I know that they're all you know keeping track at home. But um, no way, but, man, I was feeling a little melancholy, and then I had to <laughs> fucking listen to this. Well, this is is a melancholic record, I will say. But I, yeah, I would, I want to, I want to say, um, I did you expect anything less than that? No, given? I didn't. But I will say this, like you know, the thing, and and I realize, I mean, I realize. That it's probably that that on some level, um, trip hop was always a uh, go- destined to be sort of a fringe, uh, like a certain amount of uh, fringe uh, movement. We'll talk about that. Yeah, but I think that it's an interesting stylistic choice just to remove that entirely and then just do the down shit. Right. <laughs> so, okay. So so that yeah. No, you, you you've got a real point there. Um, it's the essence. I love this record, but for a lot of for a lot of reasons. But it's rainy and cold outside. It's perfect weather for this, this is, record. This is yeah, you're correct. Um, but yeah, it's sort of. I knew that a lot of people, not necessarily in this room or whatever, weren't going to get warm up to this record just because you take all the the sexy beats away yeah. from Dummy yeah. and Portishead, and yeah, I mean, basically, I you know like. These guys do one thing really well. Their their music is incredibly cinematic. All three of their pieces are very cinematic. The first one, Dummy, is sort of like 60s spy movie in the background. Um, their second one, to me, I, I kind of think it... Just uh, called Portishead, right? Second no, one? no, no. The second one just called Portishead. I think of it as like 50s sci-fi movie kind of rather than spy, but in but kind of right around that area. To me, this sounds like 80s horror movies. Like, the music all sounds like it's, it's, you could put them in, ho- like, you could put these songs in horror movies. But very s- cinematic, but very different. To me, it sounds like when you start up your car and the fan belt is, like, loose. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about machine gun? <laughs> no, I'm just talking about that, that squeaking that, that well, you get out of a lot of these songs. <laughs> well, this song needs some oil. Um, no, I do think that one of the things that I found myself thinking that, and this is probably just, I can't necessarily say that this, this is probably how everybody would feel, but I was like, she sounds so like fragile and tragic on every track that I was like, she, I was like, no, she sounds, sounds like she needs to be talked down off the ledge. Well, right. Like, I was no, like, no, I want to hear her order a pizza. <laughs> Those are both valid things. I, I tend to I tend to lean do, more do toward you Kevin. Have like pineapple? Can, can you do a Hawaiian? <laughs> yes. There's there's your ringtone for this week. The, the, I think I think like yeah, both of the both of those are fair. I think the fra- the fragile and tragic it look it does at some point it does at some point start. Like I would like start getting to me, but I think that the songs themselves are so they're talented, interesting. Like, like they're sure. like there's so many curveballs, and like all of a sudden the middle of the song will just like and like do something completely different, or like the first song, um, just in the middle of a groove, just stops. Like where the first silence, where the first time I heard it. I had to go back and make sure it wasn't like I well, didn't. Yeah, didn't they? Okay, so that song's called Silence, and then they're like, isn't there like about forty-five seconds just of silence in it, like they're fucking with you? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I don't remember that. But I, at the very end of it, it just stops and it's silence before the second song comes on. Well, I did. Like in the middle of in the middle of the beat, like in the middle of the measure, it just stops. Not at the end, you know. 
which there's really interesting decisions made like all over the place on this. I, like I found it to be a really fascinating record. Well, and I I do think in all seriousness that that fascinating is probably a term that you can use for any of their output. Like, you know, none of it's none of it's easy listening. All uh, all riffs, <laughs> opening riffs aside, and it takes a little while to to unpack. I do think that with the kind of like the not it's not saccharine, but it like with the delivery vehicle of the trip hop beats, it's like you could kind of get lost in that sort of hypnotic piece and then the the lyrical content would come at you a different way. Here it's like they strip that away and the songs are still like they're still well written songs. Like the songwriters are still strong. Um, but it's it feels a little bit more It's a little more brutal. It is a little more brutal. Stark. Yeah, yeah sure. For sure. Um <laughs> you ever notice that like every adjective you come up with about this band is is not a happy adjective? No, it's all like, they're all like woodcut. You know? Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> saying that like they're not you know artistically strong. Mark clearly are. Is what I'm talking about. Uh, it's not an easy. It's not an easy listen. But yeah. it, I found the songs to be solid as fuck, man. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a ukulele song in the middle of it. That is true. Yeah, uh, and I was expecting that to be upbeat, and then it wasn't. But it was beautiful. But they somehow like made song, the ukulele. Just not the vocal. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So you're not you're you're not a Beth Gibbon. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't I can't decide if if she's somebody that just has a lot of passion but really can't sing, or if she's somebody that is deliberately missing notes. It's a little it's a little over emotive to me sometimes. I definitely find her to be the weakest link. Um, in the band in general. Well, and the funny thing is, is like just reading some of the reviews of this, like the the overarching sentiment was that like her, like the fragility of her voice is what brings humanity to some of these otherwise like kind of bleak landscape, cinematic landscapes that get painted with the rest of the music. I don't know if that's true, um, but I could see how like, all right, well, the rest of this sounds like uh, somebody just threw a cat into a blender. So, I mean, cinematically... Uh, <laughs> Somebody <laughs> cinematically <laughs> threw a cat in a blender. Yeah, but but and I, I'm I'm being silly, but uh, but yeah, that her uh, her voice, although like I mean, I, the Im- how much of the imperfections are craft, and how much of those are right, just the exactly. limit, her limits? I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, all of I think that that's a fair statement, and I and sometimes I feel that way too. But then I get sucked in, and I I listen to this record a lot, and I got I got sucked into it. All right, let's listen to one of these songs. Um, let's listen, yeah, I'll tell you what. Let's listen to my what I thought was my favorite song on this one, which which was Nylon Smile, and then we'll we'll got a couple more later.
I think that that song has a. It's like I would call that cinematic. And driving. But and also, it's a little horrifying. I do like that song. I and I I, I like too. her voice on that song. Th- it, that's the one that I think her voice is the best on that record. I mean, the thing is, is like this is a really good example of re- rewards repeated listening because a lot of the, a lot of times, like the first time through, I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? And then the second time through, I was like, I understood the song structures a little bit more. And so, like, stuff that was annoying me before, kind of the third time I listened to it, all kind of settled in Well, together, they were trying honestly. to intentionally third. subvert, like, their uh-huh. third. got to listen to it three times. It's all Mark. coming yes. together. Yes. Magic. But, but, yeah, they were trying to intentionally subvert traditional, can you say traditional trip-hop um, you know, well, uh, it doesn't styles. sound like trip hop at all. It's like they completely shit. It, well, it, like, it, it, it doesn't sound like trip hop, but it does sound like they created trip like, hop, so they can. They're loud, yeah. yeah. Like it's it's around the same tempo, but it's not. Well, and the one thing that that song does that's similar to the, the stuff off the other two records is that like that that beat does suck you in, even if it's not a trip hop beat. It's like, propulsive. It's propulsive. Yeah. So so then you're along for the ride, well, and then and she can warble. It's got that kind of sparse, like, I'm pretty sure she played guitar on that, that kind of, like, that electric guitar that just comes in r- just very sparsely every so often on that. Um, I know that they all were playing around with, with instruments and playing around a lot on that record. You know what else I'm fascinated by with the regard to this record? And it, it's, it, I, yeah, I'm not really sure how to characterize this other than what I'll share here. It's like... The reason that they stopped recording, one of the things I think is kind of fascinating about Portishead is that they haven't recorded very many records, and that each one of the records is like kind do of. Do you know how many? Say what? Would you? Do you know how many? Three. Yeah, this is the last one they recorded. Third. 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 Yes. yes. That's like, Eleven uh, years after their second, right? Yeah, but 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 part of the reason like day jobs at like Cold Stone Creamery or something like. <laughs> yes, that's the, the saddest Cold Stone Creamery. <laughs> Everything is mashed up. Everything. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, but but the deal is, is that uh, homeboy, homeboy went through a divorce, and so he just like he's like music didn't sound good to me anymore. Like that's essentially paraphrasing what he said. And so I'm fascinated by the idea that's like you know everybody knows what the fleet like Jeff Barrow is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. But everybody knows like the Fleetwood Mac story where it's like everybody gets divorced and yet they continue to like push through it and make this great record. Um, like sometimes we'll talk about the like all the like a lot of the guys in Beulah got divorced on their last record and they just broke up and then this like I think it's more this it feels like a human response to like sort of emotional trauma just to like walk away from music for a while but for eleven years like that's a while and it sounds like some of the songs that ended up on this record were were kernels of things that they had kind of just goofed around on over the years with no timetable in mind. Yeah, there's a real possibility on that. They 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 have the they have the kind of success where like you're pretty much set for the rest of your life if you're smart about it, but you don't have like a whole fucking machine around you that you have to support. Well, you can't blow through like your nest egg. No, I mean, um, but if you play it right, yeah, you, you're probably not going to have to. Work. You're going to have stuff coming in for a while. Yeah, I mean, they sold multi, multi millions of records, but not. You know what's interesting to me? Because I find, you know, I think Dummy is such a seminal record, and um, it was so dominating. So many parties, house parties, I went to for many years True. in the '90s. Um, Rolling Stone put it on their top 500. Albums. But it's like 471 or no, something. it's 419. 
Okay. What a bizarre number. Get it right, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Pardon. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> further up than there. I guarantee you that there are fucking like, um, there are records a little higher on the list. Yeah, like uh, I don't know who's the dude that did like the Joker. Like I'm sure he's way higher up. Heath on that. Ledger. Steve Miller. Steve Miller. Sorry. <laughs> I would be great. <laughs> you know what? I was going to start up my Steve Miller cover band called the Midnight Tokers. It's not that's wrong. A, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. The name of your first album is going to be Country Barn Dance. <laughs> yes, exactly. Anyway, yeah, that's a good one. Good no, uh, but I, I thought that – I think it's so interesting. And another thing – so I was, we were gonna, I was saying this earlier, like, you know, and I don't care who, like, at whatever bourgeois, like – some people have like, sh- you know, shit feelings about trip hop. It is a near perfect form of pop music. Oh, right? I think so too. Uh, like, I'm, d- a, I'm a total sucker. It's good. It's good stuff. Done well. and it ages well. Uh, Not all of it for is. For some reason, when I first heard Portishead, I thought of them as like kind of the the like lesser light than Massive Attack. Like Massive Attack, like Blue Lines and uh, Mezzanine, and there's one in between there, but like yeah, uh, Protection. Those, yeah. And I thought that they were, like, kind of the leading lights and Portishead, like, maybe because they had a big hit with Sour Times, like, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't... They came, and, and that shit came about all around the same time. Blue yeah. Lines came out first. And some of those, like, there were, there are obviously differences in the weight of the material. Like, we've all been talking about, like, sort of how, like, I guess for lack of a better term, like, kind of, all, mopey's not the right word, but, like, down this... this like the natural state of this material is, but you think about something like Massive Attack, which is just like, you know, it's just like you just grind through that. It's pretty like, intense. Massive like, Attack yeah. has a has a, a really inconsistent catalog. In I my can opinion. see that the songs yeah, that I, I like that. from them, I get I get kind of amped up when they're Me on. Me too. Yeah. And Portishead, I kind of feel ground down, um, which is not to say that it's not good music. You know, it's not good art, but like you know, sometimes I'm just like, man, this shit is bleak. Mm, it is very bleak, yeah, for sure. I think it's really sexy though too, and that's what, especially those first two records, give such a a, sh- a shine to them. I don't know. Speaking of bleak, let's do another one of these songs. BBC review of this record. You know, this record came out in 2008, and uh, the sort of subhead uh, of, of the of the review is, in 10 years, you'll probably still be hard-pressed to find anything that sounds like this. And, um, and it was a single? Well, it's no, the only I mean, single they put out in the States. Yeah, so... So anyway, yeah, uh, I'm just going to share a couple of thoughts from this, from this BBC review. Guy says that... Uh, Back after 10 years, uh, Bristol's Portishead now make Radiohead look like the monkeys. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, bleak times deserve bleak music, and here it is. Maybe it's Beth Gibbons' voice. It doesn't have range, 
but it does have the singular ability to be compressed, filtered, distorted, and mangled any way that Jeff Barrow sees fit and still survive intact. She can be a wailing banshee or some withered crone, but always vulnerable and distraught, and the relentless 21st centuryness of it all means that by the time the band will have neatly sidestepped the fate of their first album, Dummy, and also many that came in its wake, that of becoming that summer's dinner party accompaniment. Put it on over the scallops and the seagrass, and you'll be discussing the sheer pointlessness of existence rather than house prices. Dude, mission accomplished. Right? Um, yeah. This sounds... Okay. Fuck house prices. This, this may sound like a weird analogy, but like if you wanted to have like a performance art project where like you put on a leotard and like you pay 50 cents to let somebody punch you in the face... This is the song that we were playing when you did Ryan it. Ryan is gesturing wildly while he's talking about and his... I, uh, and now, uh, now I just have this complete <coughs> visual of Ryan in a leotard. And Punching just, people in the face? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I No, you pay to that. get punched in the face in a, a stark white room, and this would be the soundtrack to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a truly bizarre song, especially considering that... Like, But dude, there's still... That's a lot of fucking hoot spotted. That that one is the single that you put out. But I also really think it's a cool song. Here's, like in here's a, weird a question way. for you guys. Like, do we think that this? I mean, I, yeah. So this is technically the single. Is it a situation where they put they put out a single because they're supposed to put out a single, or because they were asked to put out a single, or a record company made them do it, or they put it out themselves, so maybe nobody made them do it? But no, th- they wanted that. They wanted that song specifically to be the. Okay, you wanted to be there was a lot of the here's a feel good hit of the summer. Here's what I'm here's that was sort of the preamble. Sure here's that, what I'm yes. actually asking. What I'm actually asking is, do you think they wrote this as an album, even though they put that like you know like is this an old plus something a, off? Is this and a two, maybe it circa 2008? Is this a units? is this an album delivery vehicle as opposed to like a collection of stuff that they've been working on over the years. I think they wrote it as an album, probably. Um, it looks like they're pretty meticulous in what they do. If there's one thing that 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 this band has, it's it's the it's the details, you know. So I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. It's a uh, it that it's a it's an odd choice. The, the, the record, single. I mean, does seem like a, a cohesive work, but you know, if you got to pluck one chapter from the novel and make well, it the, at least the it thing was, you want to you know present to the public. At least it was this, and not the uh, not the the sad, plucky ukulele track that we talked about. Oh, earlier. I love that record. We're gonna listen to that one at the end here. Like that that's that's the, that's the re- uh, that's the song that you can see, like the growth of Portishead from Glory Box to Deep Waters. Um, quite is a little bit of a different difference in sound. Anyway, you guys want to do a few minutes with? Sure. Let's do a few minutes with. I'm not sure which show it was, but um, sometime back, Shane. Full House? Oh. This no, show. no, this show. <laughs> no, it was Fuller House. Nah, no. Fuller House. Now he's right. not sure right, right, which right. show. Candace Cameron. All Got over it. that one. Uh, Kimmy Gibbler. I, I hate it that I know that. Um, Who it, is that? Candace Cameron's character? No, that was her best friend on Kimmy that show. Kimmy Kimbler? I've never seen Kimmy, that episode. Kimmy Gimbler. Oh, okay. All right. Anyway. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Uh, so it's, uh, at some point uh, on... Uh, the show you uh, indicated that you'd like early PJ Harvey 
um, you thought was really hard to listen to. And I was like, oh, man, Sheila and a Gig, man, that's a great song. It also is kind of in keeping with this week's uh, theme and in that it's kind of dour, but it's good and it rocks. Um, so uh, I would like to dial up Sheila and a Gig off of Dry by PJ Harvey. Uh, and we'll just keep the fun times rolling. I lay it all at your feet. You turn around and say back to me. up with people yeah no it's no, uh no i mean like that no that's like the rocks. Yeah. yeah that's a great song i like i guess i just have a different and i always have had a different visceral response to like sad songs or disturbing songs or like to me it's just music and like they're just pictures that are painted i don't get emotionally no. affected like well, the, no that's so, that song i i love like no it's a it, good song i'm yeah. just saying like you're saying welcome back to up with people and we were talking about this earlier well you know the album that we we're talking about today, but um, oh. like I can't say it. I just I well, just happen to know what that song's about. So, so. yeah, so but, yeah, but it, that, that, I'm, I'm just saying like it doesn't bo- it doesn't bother me. Like like sad songs don't affect me, and or happy songs don't affect me in the way that they do other people. I just like a good song is a good song I to me. So I don't know. We how long have we been doing this show? Like three and a half years. Some songs affect a you. Months, like no, 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 no. I no, no. could, I could see your. I see. I think I hear what you're saying with regard. I'm to saying like, in more, in, in more of the sense that like, you know, people are like, that's a, you know, like, yeah, sure. I get ra- like, I like rainy day records. I'd like to put on downer stuff. It's just like it doesn't. Sometimes, if I'm in a great mood, I would want to hear like really sad or disturbing songs. Like I don't think of it in like, oh, I'm in this mood. I have to hear this music in this. You know what I mean? So you say you're saying you lead your music, not the other way around. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. There you go. So there's a great uh, documentary on the Pixies called Gouge. In oh, which, I hear um, that's good. Polly Jean Harvey. The uh, yeah, you hear that's good. <laughs> I've actually seen some because, of it. It is good. because yeah. you uh, saw me watching it over and over again yeah. <laughs> while living with you. Yes, no, um, it, is, it is good. But she uh, describes, like, you know, hearing the Pixies and, like, just going crazy, like, you know, for, like, the bendy guitar stuff and the loud, quiet, loud stuff that they're known for. And this is where, like, she really, like, shows it off. And it's it doesn't seem like, you know, she's, like, trying to copy them or anything, but, like, you can definitely tell she's a devotee. That's just a good song. Sure. It's a great song. And so... uh Mark, I don't know if you have time to do this, but if you want to look up what a Sheila and a gig actually is, it's a pagan statue. Uh, did you bring it up already? Uh, yeah, I'm on the ball here, Ryan. You you are all over it, man. Yeah. Essentially, a Sheila and a gig is a pagan statue of a woman uh, harming herself in her reproductive area. 
It's, well, it's, it's the yeah. best way I can put it. Well, and the song itself is kind of about because like, this show's for kids, and we want to make sure that we're yeah. gentle That's in the right. way that we like the Mr. Rogers version of, of what that is. And here we were thinking, well, we got through that okay. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Thanks, Ray. Hey, my pleasure. Um, like I, I, I like I love the picture. If anybody's interested in Sheila and the gigs, I suggest that they go to the Wikipedia page, and there's a very interesting. You can put it next to your precious moments figurines, <laughs> Elf on the Shelf, that well, kind of well, stuff. The dude that painted those pictures, <laughs> like with the, the just the little like his assistants would go in there and put like little. All right, whatever. So Asshole. confused. <clears throat> so confused. Anyway, uh, no, it's a, it is a great Wait, song. The hypotheses are survival of a pagan goddess, fertility figure, warning against lust. You see, you can see where the Christianity came in in the RA, in the middle of that. But it, the song is essentially about, like, I guess she got, like, fucked over by a guy. And it's, it's you know, lyrically downbeat. Uh, musically, like, kind of upbeat. Uh it's just that's a good song. Yeah. All right. Kids, I think that's you... my favorite balance, though. Like songs that are lyrically, like not necessarily not not necessarily that. So I like that song fine. Like not necessarily that song in particular, but generally speaking, lyrically, if they're a little down, but musically they're a little up. I was like, yeah, we could be friends. Yeah, it's it's a nice balance. Yeah, you could cry and then uh, look outside and uh, see the birds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did Kevin tell you about his peanut butter thing? All right, let's just go back into this. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. That's not it. Okay, let's Jeez, go. He's broken. Broken wings and learned to fly. fly. All right, working on a new group. I don't know. I mean, Porter's head, am I right? Hey, I want to put the... Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. What is this, a pep rally now? <laughs> Porter's head, am I right? That's like Kevin's Just open... So. That's the beginning. That's how Kevin's going to go up on stage for his like comedy open mic. They gave him two like, minutes, yeah. and he walks up with, Porter's head, hey, am I right? What are you, what are you kidding me? <laughs> Porter's head over here. So Portishead is actually like a town just outside yeah, that's of what I'm Bristol, saying. right? Is it Portishead? Is it Portishead? It's, it's is Portishead. It, is it Radiohead or Radiohead? Does anybody know? Like, stop, you... stop, stop. So uh, chronologically speaking, um, uh, trip hop, like I know that I, – I, I, I swear I'm not making this up. Somebody was making coffee for somebody else uh, in like their like recording studio or something, and then they became a trip hop artist. I don't. Uh, was it tricky or? I don't. Um, I, Massive Attack is the is the first collective I know personally. I mean, we could. I'm going to get schooled on this shit, but I am um, I am wistful for the sneaker pimps right now. Well, they were post trip hop. I know, kind of I the, know, but it's all again like it's a you know it's it's a it's a waterfall effect, Ryan. So Shane, all right, you know we're we're halfway through or a little bit more and. Has your as we have as we've talked through uh, third, the appropriately named the directly linearly named uh, Portishead record. You know where does it where does it where does it rate for you? I mean, there are only three of them. Like where? Do, 
You know, how do you feel like it stacks up to the other two? It's third yeah. on the other two for sure. But I mean, I like I said, I feel like it it definitely rewards repeated listenings. And I don't, you know, it doesn't scare me away the the bleakness. Like her voice does get a little affected and does get to me at times. But sometimes the the music is just so weird and just clicks in this. I mean, it's really like musically they're running on all cylinders. I was going to say well, on I all think, fours, uh, but I don't. Um, sure, got an eight point eight from uh, Pitchfork, right? Like, and that's high from them. It is uh, high from them. I do think that Pitchfork. I mean, we talked about this a ton well, on this show. A, Pitchfork is suffers from a little bit of like uh, cool kid syndrome. It's yeah, like, it, like it's do, it, it do not li- do not difficult to listen to ism. I mean, it it, it can be difficult, right. but again, once you kind of like. Once you listen to it a couple of times, I feel like it clicks into place, and mostly it runs around less the bleakness of it than how much you like um, Beth's voice at the end of it. You know, I don't have a problem with her voice. It just happened to drop into my lap in the wrong fucking yeah, week. That's that is <laughs> that is a bad time. Yeah, and like it, you know, it's fine. Like you know. Talking it through. This is my therapy. Uh, but damn, like uh, this is. I, I need to listen to Jerry Reed this week, and that is not what landed in my lap. <laughs> <laughs> need to listen to some more of those country barn dance records. Yeah. All right. Do we have another track you guys want to spin on? Yeah. So I I really want to listen to um, Deep Water, just because. Um, and I, not only does it sound like uh, that song off the, the ukulele song on the Jerk, which I guess it was inspired by. Um, it's just such a I, fucking. That's immediately what I thought of, and then I yeah. was just like, "Oh man, that shit got dark." It's very dark, but it's very cool in the production. And it, it, like, there's some interesting production flourishes in there. Like, um, and that's the whole thing. I, I, you know, in a lot of ways for this for this band to me is production wise. Sometimes there are these like tiny little things that you don't notice at first, and you're like, but completely alter the song in 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 big ways. So yeah, let's listen to that deep water ukulele song. So it's funny because I didn't think of it in terms of the Bernadette Peters laying there with her eyes closed. Uh, that was immediately what I thought of. Yeah, but me it, too. But, it to- but now that you said that, I'm never going to be able to listen to it any other way. Well, he wrote it to, to, as a as a tribute to that song, but um, but it's still it's really pretty. But they um, put in those little like like two measure blocks of harmonies. 
well, no, like they completely changed the production. Uh, like several times throughout the song, like, am I the only one hearing this? No, are you talking about the when the harmonies come in for a second? Maybe. Uh, like it just sounds like a like for like two bars, it's like the boom boom. Yeah, that's har- there's harmonies there. Those are harmonies, vocal harmonies. I don't know. It's the first time I've heard that. But word. they but they do sound a lot more overproduced. They're processed. Than, than yeah, like they're, her they're, vocal, which is extremely no, raw. Like, right. Yeah, it sounds like they're doing like a, a little like acoustic like. Yeah, it's 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 really processed two part vocal harmonies, like that's mirroring what she's saying. Like, you know, if she hadn't done like three three albums worth of material with Portishead, it's like third albums worth. Th- sorry, my bad. Third albums worth of material. Right. <laughs> then, then, you know, do you do you ever kind of feel like maybe it's just like there was this band and they were producing these songs and then she just. You know, they had an unattended microphone. <laughs> like, it just wandered in. And they were like, oh, we'll leave that. We could clearly just keep... We can, we can run with that yeah. ukulele sad... No, it's... I actually... I like it better now that I kind of have that little... Uh, the, the little Steve Martin filter to watch. I, I think that song is... That, that, to me, is the saddest song on the record. Because, like, she feels fragile and vulnerable on it. But in a real way. Not, like, an affected way. Like, a really... It's really, that song is is very. Um, also, everyone uh, go see the jerk if you haven't already. Yeah, like, it's not like they can go and see it. Well, not like out a of theater. the movie theater, but like you don't go but like dial it up. Oh, I'm gonna go see the jerk. Hey, honey, what time is the second showing? Like you. All right, Grandpa. I was just talking about like dial it up on streaming ooh. services. Uh, but yeah, but, uh, everybody. It's go. a beautiful song. Uh, but I was just uh, kind of amused by like they can even take a ukulele song and make it sad. Yeah, I know. Yes, I get it. I love those those little those those little harmonies. Or that, uh, that's what I was thinking. Those those little blocks of you know harmonies. Uh, they can even take a song and make it still like horror movie disturbing <laughs> with those. No, I'm just like you know bopping along, and then I'm like, what the fuck. <laughs> Well, in his review for All Music, Stephen Thomas Erlewine said third was, quote, genuinely startlingly original. Yes, that is true. True enough, for sure. Not uh, not, not the easiest. Name, name another record that sounds like this. No. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know if I agree with the second part of that where he says it's utterly riveting and endlessly absorbing. I, to me, it became that way after a couple of listens. But that is a, that's a – that's a very first statement. Again, like I mean, like I knew while I was listening to this, I was like, "Oh, this is either going to split us right down the middle, or just going to split us into four different." <laughs> like I, I will say this. So I think, generally speaking, this is true of all Portishead records. It's probably especially, tr- or it's certainly true of this one. This feels like uh, this feels like a good a good headphones album. So if you it have is, a really I, good I set of headphones, yeah, if you have a really good set of headphones, and you can just like essentially devolve into the Whatever. What's the? I didn't see Get Out, but um, you know where the kid sinks into the chair. Like, feels like you know it's like a little bit of a dangerous uh, headspace. The kid sinks into the chair. Yeah, I, I don't know what that reference it's is. It's all right. It's like it, the, the the kid stays in the picture. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, <laughs> no, so it's about like a overblown Hollywood cinematic. producer. Cinematic. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. The kids are all right. What? Was there a chair? Yeah, I, I yes. actually think Did I would appreciate this a lot more if I wasn't going through traumatic relationship shit oh. at the same time. Well, that's uh, fair. Here's but a, I, I, I appreciate it as art. Uh, and a little bit and of I it. will go back and listen to it again because like, I genuinely like it. 
But God damn, it's a downer. Perfect time. Yeah, you yeah. should have. You should have. You should have like. Uh, you should have sent me a text or something because I would have said, "Hey, let's just listen to like seven versions of all my rowdy friends are coming over tonight." You know, back to back to back to back. Mark, uh, Mark did point out that this album was included in the book "A Thousand and One Albums You Must Hear Before You Die," and it occurs to me that if you listen to all, if you didn't hadn't heard any of them, you better get cracking. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take a while. So you have a thousand and one records. You have some work to do. Yes. Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to that. Uh, um, Kevin, you have next week? Well, no. First. Oh, yeah. Should we just end tonight the show? <laughs> and next week. Oh, yes. Uh, we do have a third segment track. of the that show. That is true. Yeah, Ryan's got a, Ryan's got a hot date. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> right now. <laughs> So um, <laughs> she does not want to hang out with me right now. <laughs> Sorry. Here, did you need the salt here, Ryan? <laughs> uh, I'll be all right, fellas. <laughs> I'm gonna make it through the night. It's all right. Whatever gets you through the night. Um. Well, anyway, yeah. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna. Uh, this will be a little bit of a departure. Um, I had I had intended on finding something that was. Um, Really down, and, and and you can still listen to uh, what we're going to listen to through that lens if that's your particular uh, grade of vodka. But I'm going to say no. I'm going to say maybe this is going to be different. Maybe it's going to turn your life around. <laughs> I couldn't even get through that last part. Boy, Kevin is really cracking himself up right now. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying, if, if just you're uh, like working a, a suicide hotline, like this is the <laughs> episode that you want to direct your charges to. This is the one. So, Kevin, what do you have for us? Oh my God! Uh, yeah, so it's a it's a record by an R and B artist out of Toronto named um, Silo Najo. So we're gonna we're gonna spin a track off of that. Yeah, so, you know, a little bit of a, again, a little bit of a sorbet here at the end of the... It's a nice, uh, smooth palate cleanser. Yeah. Dude, no, it's, yeah that, dude that's a good song, it, but like... Uh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, no, I think it's a well-composed <laughs> song. I like it, um, but I've found that like uh, auto-tune used as art in the last 10, 12 years... Yeah. There that song like, gives it like a Mac DeMarco effect to me. Well, there definitely was a little bit of that uh, there wasn't, tape left there, in the back of the car there was thing, which hardly any out of tune, if any at all. Like, why do you? I, I just listened to the same song as you. Like, there was a little bit of overall 
distortion on it, but not auto-tune on people's vocals. It didn't, yeah, it didn't jump out to me either that yeah, way. That's what I mean, like to me, maybe um, You just part. don't like distortion no. in, in people, on people's I mean, vocals. I, f- like, I feel that he was very uh, punctuated in, like his note changes and such, but I didn't, I didn't interpret it as like an auto. I didn't hear any auto the whole song. I felt I'll like the guitar effect it on it. They like, like would intentionally like down tune it, like on the note. Maybe they but did. Whatever. Uh, I actually think it's a good song. Oh, it is a good song. Oh, it's a good song, Ryan. Yeah, no, that was a that was a great song. That was that was a high five. Oh, thanks, song. dude. Somebody yeah. in this room really loved that song. Yeah, it, wasn't no, right. it was. It's cool. Yeah, the um, the uh, I was stuck in traffic this morning and uh, a little stressy, and that came on. Um, that's gonna be my new rap band or my new rap name. Little stressy, little stressy, little stressy. But anyway, Ryan, Ryan, I think your backup band should be called the Broken Records. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, but but yeah, I was, I was a little, I was a little, uh, I was a little, uh, you know, uh, off kilter, out of sorts, as one does. And this song came on, and I was like, "Well, it's a, it is a this day is nicer than I thought it was." Well, it had that the best aspects of the chill wave stuff that that I like, and it had like a kind of a it had that two four Brazilian percussion in the back, and then it had that sort of like like floaty guitar stuff, and then. There was a little bit of female background singer, but put way down in the mix. Oh, like, yeah. I just everything like, I liked. No, like, it was all great. In one it song. was totally a, like, Sunday morning ain't got shit to do record. Like, a song. Like, Ke- and, but, Kevin, I, I've been waiting to tell you this. Uh-oh. Um, uh-oh. I was watching uh, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire earlier, and somebody missed a question, and the answer was uh, Lil Yachty. <laughs> of course it was. Kevin would appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good. Little anyway. yachty and little stressy. Those are like the two opposite things. Like when you're a little stressy, you get on your little yachty. I can't remember what the, yeah, the, what the question was, but it was it was like, you know, which of these is like not a real band or, or a real artist? And uh, anyway, dude picked wrong, and the answer was little yachty. You know, every time, like, uh, like I very occasionally will see that show, usually when, it's at, when I'm at the gym, and um, every single time when they pick wrong, and I know for a fact what it is, I'm just oh, always pisses you like, off, right? Oh, you want to jump to the TV screen? Yeah. All right. What you, what you got for us next week? Kevin? All right. So we will not be doing Chill Wave next week, and you know we're um, we're on the the doorstep of South by Southwest here in Austin, and so this isn't really going to have anything to do with that either, because I figure once that train comes rolling through town, we'll. And even anecdotally, we just end up talking about it for a while. Um, but I did come across a nugget about um, an artist who, uh, and I don't always, you know, I think Rolling Stone has their ups and downs, but um, Rolling Stone has really fallen for a, a songwriter out of Nashville who's written for a lot of other guys who put out a pretty interesting record. And um, anyway, it's a guy named Travis Meadows, and we're going to listen to a record called First Cigarette. Rolling Stone calls him uh, Nashville's favorite underdog. I like I like all of the above. Yeah, let's let's do it. Alrighty. Okay. Well, Kevin. I guess till next week. I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it.